This episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast is sponsored by Fisher Skis, and you can visit them at www.fishersports.com. Hello, hello, hello. This is the Out of Bounds Podcast. My name is Adam Jabber. We have a great episode for you today with Louis Vito, uh, who you may know from Dancing with the Stars or uh, Living Louis Vito, or obviously the Olympics, the Dew Tour, professional snowboarding, or a number of other things. So, um, thank you to Louis for taking the time. Uh, this is one of my favorites. It was actually a really, really good conversation. We talk about all of the things you wouldn't expect and all of the things you would expect. Um, we talk about uh, how annoying drunk people can be at the bar when you're sober, but also how to manage that and how Louis manages that and how it doesn't bother him that much anymore. Um, we also talk about sneakers for a while. And who has the better shoe game, me or him? We talk about, what else did we talk about? I just did this interview six seconds ago, and I was like, I'm still kind of buzzing from it. It was great. Um, we also talked about being authentic, being true to yourself, what that means, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And then we talk about fighting and all kinds of stuff and being competitive and, you know, the whole deal. So um, I'm not selling this episode super hard, but it's it's one of my favorite episodes that we've done um, and it's one of the few that Ethan listened to the whole time and uh, and said he enjoyed. So take that with a grain of salt. That may mean that nobody listens to it. That may mean that everybody listens to it. So um, that's it. That's my plug for the <laughs> for the episode. Um, as usual, few things we have. Uh, this is the last week, or should be the last week, that we are uh, doing any stickers, any purchased stickers from the website, uh, every dollar is going towards Planned Parenthood um, or an applicable organization, um, one of your choosing. You can just let us know what you'd like that to be in the show notes, uh, in the order notes, rather. I don't know why my intros are so bad. We've done like three or four intros today, and they've all been bad, but um, we'd like to donate money to Planned Parenthood. So help us do that by buying stickers on the website. Okay. It's also new merch. There's still hoodies. Hoodies are on sale now. There's new hats that are out. There's all kinds of stuff. So check out the site, new vintage gear, gear reviews on outofpodcast.com. You got it. That's the plug. We also have a couple of sponsors for today. One, uh, Darn Tough. Darn Tough has been a phenomenal partner for us. Uh, We are actually very likely in the midst of a very... Very interesting sock challenge. If if we are not by now, uh, we will be very shortly, and you will have details on it. If we are, I'm sorry for everyone around me. Um, anyway, darn, darn tough makes uh, makes the best socks. Period. Like that's that's the ad. They make the best running socks. They make the best hiking socks. They make the best skiing socks and snowboarding socks. There's no there's no better socks. The best socks come from darn tough. And they come from come from Vermont. Like that's that's it. That's where they come from. So um, buy darn tough socks. Go to uh, the link in the show notes or to darntough.com and uh, and buy yourself some new socks. And at the moment, at present, at time of recording, they're giving you a free gift with purchase. So check out darn tough and uh, and yeah. Now we're on to our friends at Revel Bikes. Revel makes my current favorite long travel 29er in the rail 29 by this point you've probably seen our youtube review if you haven't go check that out um check out the written review on the site Um, but they also make a number of different wonderful bikes including a dirt jumper a gravel bike uh, the revel rascal which is actually what i was on last year and it's what adam x currently rides um my main thing here is like if you have questions about a bike from revel that you're looking at just hit me up Slide into the DMs, ask me questions. I am happy to help guide you. They make awesome, awesome product. Um, and I couldn't be happier to be partnered with a brand like this. It's, uh, it, they're rad, point blank. Um, and you're going to start to see a lot more of them, especially here in New England, um, as they build and build and build. Um, so that's it. Buy a Rebel Bike. If you have questions, hit me up, adam at outofpodcast.com or slide into the dms please and thank you um and with that here is our interview 
with Louis Vito. First and foremost, Louis, tell people who you are, a little bit about yourself, and then we'll kind of roll on from there. I'm Louis Vito. I'm a professional snowboarder, two-time Olympian, six-time X Games medalist. Um, And yeah, that's pretty much me as a snowboarder. I've been doing it for a long time. Is that how you introduce yourself to people? Like, if people are like, oh, what do you do? Is that what you, like, I'm a professional snowboarder, that's my gig? Yeah, pretty much. Like, it's normally, like, if they don't know snowboarding, they ask you, oh, have you been to the Olympics? Do you do <laughs> X Games? So, uh, if it's, like, a mainstream thing, I'll be, if they ask, I'll say, yeah, I've been to the Olympics twice. Or, you know, if I have to do, like, a, if I'm doing, like, a show or something, I was, like, Louis Vito, two-time Olympic snowboarder something like that yeah. it just depends on the crowd you got to read the, read the room yeah i guess that it's cool not everybody gets to answer those questions like very few people actually get to answer those questions like have you been to the olympics like do you go to the do tour do you know what x games it like all that yeah. shit very well, few people get to be like you know yeah. for like people that don't know snowboarding i mean that's what they know is the olympics so exactly kind of carries weight for them because then it's like i get sometimes i'll get oh you're a professional snowboarder yeah um but what, how, like, how do you make money? Yeah. Like, do you have a job? And I'm like, no, I, I snowboard. Like that's what I do. So it just kind of, I think it gives you a little bit of credibility with them because they have no idea anything. So. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, it's, it is what the main, it's funny. I always have this conversation with people pre-Olympics is like, okay, do you think it's actually valuable to go to the Olympics? Right? Like historically, obviously it is like for yourself. I'm sure it is. It's an extreme honor. Um, but how much validity does it have like in terms of like sponsor dollars and in the snowboard industry and in the ski industry, like, does it really matter the same way it did a dozen, 10 years? I think it goes in waves, right? Like I think sometimes in snowboarding, it really helps, but it also, you can get Olympic sponsors and sometimes those pay well and sometimes they don't even come close, but you know, you get other perks, but I also think just as far as mainstream goes, whether it's like a speaking engagement or a signing for something like that is going to carry weight, you know, just by going to the Olympics. I mean, there's a lot of sports that people don't even make money doing their sport. Right. So, I mean, having that in your kind of your tagline of like what you do, no matter if you're a real estate agent or you're in marketing, I mean, it's kind of, sorry, that's my alarm for this podcast. Actually, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I hit snooze on it because I was like, um, I always said it mad early to make sure in case I forgot. And I'm like driving somewhere or walking somewhere. I'm like, yeah. give me time to be like, I got to rush home. Um, but no, I just think like for outside of skiing and snowboarding, it gives you a little boost for better or for worse, you know, like yeah. with people like I'm an Olympian and they like that or something. Yeah. Yeah. And you're actually like, not to like toot your horn too much here, but like, you're like kind of famous like people fucking know who you are like not famous is famous from, no, is that from dancing with the stars that's dude and that's what i was gonna get at next is like where yeah. do you think that's from is it snowboarding is it dancing with the stars uh, because in case you're curious by the way this is funny because you brought up where your girlfriend's at and all this stuff a minute ago there is a website called datingcelebs.com which when i was doing research on you was one of the first things that th- showed up and it is louis vito uh, who is he dating now? Uh, his net worth a hundred thousand dollars to a million dollars, and he is single. Uh, ahead, we it says ahead. We take a look at who Louis Vito is dating now. Uh, Louis Vito is currently single, according to our records. Our records are up to date and accurate at all times. Well, I can tell you about every single thing you just named off is inaccurate. So <laughs> They're, they're not bad. Their batting average isn't so good right now. <laughs> yeah, they're not killing it. It's it's definitely just like a trash tabloid magazine, but it pulled up and I was yeah. like, this is... It's just funny that that's like something that actually comes up on Google when you even search it. Can I... But it, it's... it's Well, I was going to say, it's tough with the Dancing with the Stars thing because we went in like the peak time for that, you know, with, with the... I went from Dancing Stars right to 2010 Olympics and we my, my dad and I used to always play that game like when someone would come up to me, it's like, how do they know me from which one? And sometimes you got grandmas that knew you from snowboarding, which was kind of trippy. You're like, dance with the stars. They're like, no, snowboarding and vice versa, which was 
No shit. But I feel like a lot of people in snowboarding, it was like, oh, my grandma, my mom loves you on that. They have never watched the show, but they're like, <laughs> mom and grandma love me from it. So I, I love that. And also the Live in Louis Vito YouTube series, which I was not aware existed until I started digging things up here is uh is pretty popular too like that was great i've watched the first one is by far my favorite episode i think because it's basically an mtv cribs uh and oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, showing yeah. off the sneaker co- collection so i have a very serious question who has more shoes do you think you or me was what is the shoe game like what is it still good it's been 10 years since this came out yeah i mean my shoe game's definitely shrunk because i've sold quite a few pairs of them now yep um I mean, like I had the easy ones and easy two when he had them with Nike, sold those ones. Fuck. Um, and then I started getting like two pairs of everything. So like, I still have a pair of the black toe, <laughs> the 2013, cause I think they re-released the black toe, maybe 2016. So I have the 2013 ones. I have a pair of live strong dunks that are pretty fire that I got from like this. There's like a really exclusive, uh, showroom in Santa Monica. And I got a pair when I was on Dance with the Stars. I got to go there. And so I got those ones. And sure. then like, I have quite a few still. I probably still have over 100 pairs. Okay. But I kind of got rid of all my Jordans except for the Black Toes and the Sixes. I just like Sixes the most. So I've kept yeah. almost all my Sixes. And like I have like the 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 Nike Jordan Sixes cleats, even though I don't play football. I got the football cleats because I like Sixes. And I'm like, if I ever play football, I'm going to have some dope cleats to go play with some friends. I love this. I right, love- you got, you got oh, a lot? Dude, I got some shoes. I got, yeah, I'm at, I'm sitting at like 115 right now. Like it's, and I also, I had like this dude, the dude that designed the Nike Air Max plus one or whatever. And he like is the president's Barry right now. He was on the show like a few weeks ago and we were talking about it. And he's like, Oh, you have as many shoes as my wife. So like, I felt like I was being a little demoralized, like yeah. by this guy yeah, that's like, shit, are you shitting on me know. right now? Like, I know you have more than me. Like you're fucking shoe guy. Like it's, it is what it is. So well, I'm I, have, always- I have a lot. I've sold a lot. I have a lot. Um, I have some pairs that I like, I'll keep, you know, like I have a pair of like air forces that they custom made for us. Uh, with our names on them when, cause I was on Nike snowboarding. I was like yeah. the second one signed. So like, you know, back in Nike snowboarding, it was, you know, such a small team. So we had some custom ones and then I have like the air force highs that matched the uh, zoom force boot when that came out. So I have those ones that, and then I, you know, it's funny cause I have a pair that I won't wear and I'm not really my favorite, but they, you know, they have straight from the factory tags on them still like in Chinese. Oh, and then I have like a pair of these, um, I had a friend who wasn't, I didn't work with him in snowboard. I just knew him. And I used to, when I'd go by his office, he'd give me like samples. So I had like a pair, they almost look like Crocs, like, but without the back and they're so comfortable. And same thing. They had like writing on the side, like handwriting, written writing on the side because there's just a sample straight from the factory which i don't think they made and then my one of my favorites though that i got were like because nike owns converse so i have a pair of chucks but they're nikes like they have the swoosh stitched oh shit uh, side but and they were i got them actually on nike elite and i've never seen them since not even stores websites but those ones are sick because i like chucks in general yeah so those ones are pretty cool because it's just ones that you know, I like having things that not a lot of people have, but I've been wearing Yeezys. I like the Yeezys because they're so comfortable. Yeah. <clears throat> but I do want a pair of Yeezy phones, but I can't hit <laughs> on them. Lost every single pair. And they're like 85 bucks, but the resale on them is like 200. And I'm like, I'm not paying 200. I don't know if I like them that much, but Dude, they're fire. Bucks, they're it. fire though. Like they're really fire. <laughs> they look ridiculous, I- but they're fire. <laughs> I know, but I can't, every time on confirmed, I can't hit on those ones. Yeah. Same. I I've never hit. I reluctantly bought one pair at like two twelve, I think. And I like, am still like last year and I'm still kicking myself over it. But any, anyway, but they're worth it. I, no, fuck. No, they're not worth it. But like, it's, <laughs> they're sick. I think they're dope as fuck, but I hardly ever wear them dog. Like, what are you going to do? Like I'm, I have no. I don't know. I'm not flexing on anybody. I just have a bunch of shoes and the ones I wear most of the time are just like trash dunks, like dunks that I've just beat the shit out of over the years is, or like Jordan ones. Like that's my go-to like that Jordan ones yeah. or dunks. That's where I live usually. 
So see, I have like my Jordan sixes. I don't even wear that much because it's like, what am I going to wear to whole foods? I'm not like one of those people. But if I go to like <laughs> LA or New York, then I'll probably take a pair. Yeah. But, um, I've been wearing, like I said, I've been wearing the Yeezys and the Yeezys I have though. I wish I had the box. I'd, I've probably sold them because there's still like 900 on stock X and I'm like, yeah, I like them, but I like $900 more. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm like, I, I'm like that with Kobe's. Like I have hoarded Kobe's since I was a kid. So like, that's the crux. Like that's where the money is and the shit that I have at home is just in Kobe's like that. I have all that shit just like stacked up and those are like starting to accrue to a point where I'm like, fuck, I could, I could use a few grand. Like that would be nice. I know. Sometimes it's hard. I'm like, well, I have this trip. I have to go on to go ride or this camp. I'll sell a pair of shoes or a couple pairs of shoes and I'll be good. Yeah. Money's money. Anyway, before we lose all the listenership here, um, (laughs) um, what, Let's just jump back to the Olympics thing because you competed for Italy on this yeah. last in this last run. Just talk to me about the decision, why you chose to compete for Italy, what the experience was like, and what the experience was like as a whole. Because I've heard some weird stories about this past Olympics, like just being in the Olympic Village. So, what was it? What was it like? Kind of talk me through the situation. Yeah. So it was an idea. My, my dad and I would always brainstorm like random ideas, like one of those, there's no stupid ideas. Let's just throw things out there and like, just, you know, kill time. And it's just always fun to think outside the box. So, you know, my dad's mom is from Italy. So my grandma's from Italy. So it's kind of one of those things. I think we started like 2015, 2016, um, and we learned really fast that it takes a long time because I wanted to do it before 2018 originally. But like, how cool would it be? You know, go to the Olympics once is amazing, but to be able to go and represent like both sides of your family. So for me, it wasn't like a snowboarding thing. It was more like big, more deeper than that. It was more like uh, for family and, you know, being able to represent my Italian heritage and obviously being born in America, go for America. Um, so it just took a long time, like getting paperwork and, you know, we had this, these, uh, this company that helps you do it. We had them work, working on it. And, you know, they'd be like, Oh, we have baseball players that, you know, the Federation just helps, but I got like no help. So I lucked out. It took me forever to get an appointment in San Francisco. But like, if I got an appointment right now, let's say it's June 28th, 2022, your appointment would be for June 28th, 2024. I mean, it's a two year wait. Oh, no shit. Um, and then they have up to two years to process it. So I actually got my, my dad had his meeting like a month before mine in Detroit. I had mine, um, after, and I got my citizenship before him. He just got his in December, which was almost three years. So it kind of worked out. I had a little bit of help on some family stuff on the family side more than no, I had no help on the Federation. And so then it was like, I needed like a, B, C, D, E, F, G to pretty much switch over mm-hmm. ussa was super rad they were cool tiger shaw was great um ricky bauer was great um helping me with all that because they understood the vision it wasn't like any diss to them it wasn't a you know like i was going to go to the olympics it was like a, like i said it's way deeper than snowboarding to me right and then it was like they changed like last summer they changed the point system at least for i don't know if they did it for skiing too but they definitely did it for snowboarding so they extended the points a year earlier and I didn't do any uh world cups that year and so I like really had to like hustle to get it done like not my citizenship stuff but getting results right because the points changed so I was like oh you gotta be kidding me also fist had to approve it that was like I got all the work done I got my physical I got how to get a physical in Italy so I got a physical in Italy I got my passport I got my citizenship I had everything and then it was up to fist and you're like right on so that was like a little nerve-wracking got that made it um olympics are cool i mean i i do it all on my own so like i hire my coaches i pay for all my travel all my camps i don't get any funding from italy so it wasn't like one of those things either like this is all personal to me and i put my money where my mouth is on it so uh, I thought the Olympics were great. I actually thought it was going to be a lot gnarlier than it was, to be honest with you. Um, I think getting there was like the whole processing part was hard because you get there. I flew from Italy 
and you know you're you're on their plane and they have like all i call them you know they have the hazmat suits so i call them their space suits like all the flight attendants that were wearing space suits taking your temperature then it's like you're eating like gnarly food that they just put in a plastic bag like there's no food service yeah um and it was gnarly food and then you get there and you get up the nose and down the throat and both of those were like mad deep so that was a little bit gnarly and then you just sat there like you went through all the processing stuff and then you kind of sat there waiting like are we getting our bags is that what we're waiting for how are we getting there and you take this bus and that can be like two and a half hours, like five hours, depending on your driver. But we learned, like we went to opening ceremonies and we took that brand new bullet train and it took 45 minutes. Like, why couldn't we just take this brand new train 45 <laughs> minutes to get to the village instead of a bus that took, you know, I think us, we, we had a shorter one. We were like three or four hours to get there. But I know some people that had like a five hour bus ride, but this bullet train was so sick when we went for opening. Um, Italy kind of had us like we did opening like we walked through right to the bus and I was like damn I guess no one's gonna be able to sit and watch because I love opening ceremonies and then we just sat on the bus until everybody like if your team lets you sit there and watch the rest of opening ceremonies you got to just chill and then you got on the bus and we all went to the bullet train together so we just sat on the bus for like from the time we finished walking until everybody was ready to go so that was a really long night (laughs) but volunteers they made that trip. I mean, they were stoked 24 seven. They were like wearing, you know, goggles, the full shebang. Yeah. Always happy, always smiling, <clears throat> waving, stoked on just meeting you. And I'm like, if we have to, te- we are testing every day. They're probably getting gnarly testing. So like props to them for like staying so positive and being so happy. Like I think the volunteers made the Olympics what they were. Cause they were so nice and made you feel good. But other than that, I thought it was going to be worse. I thought it was going to be way worse. Yeah. I guess tampering your expectations to a certain point is probably important when you go there. You're going to China during COVID. You're like, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're going to the starting point. Yeah. Very happy. I was like, just don't let me test positive. I don't know how I'm going to test positive when I'm here, but just don't let me test positive. Let me get out of here. So I I made it in and out, which was great, (laughs) but it was, that was a stressful part. Just like, once I got into the village, I was like, I'm good. But then there's always just a little chance that maybe you get it and get it like after you compete. Right. Yeah. What was like the two weeks? I mean, I imagine the anxiety is like through the roof, like talking to anybody, seeing anybody a couple weeks before you leave. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, there's no, no, like that ruins everything. Right. Like getting yeah, I was pretty, sick. I was pretty cash with everything until right like christmas time like right after christmas because i i had it figured out that i could get covid during <laughs> christmas and still be good for mammoth yeah because i needed mammoth and i needed locks results right so then for those ones i like locked down then after locks i'm you know i was gonna make it i flew back to the u.s stayed at copper i hiked the pipe i didn't even take the chairlift unless <laughs> it was like early in the morning and i knew no one's gonna be on the chair with me hiked the pipe which i love to do anyways drove back home and then I like I didn't see anybody and then yeah pretty much I went to Italy stayed there had an Airbnb like by the I had to get tested you know there so I had an Airbnb by testing I would run in the morning before anybody was out and then I would just like binge watch tv on my computer the rest (laughs) of the day because I didn't go out to restaurants I didn't go see anybody and I was like Nope, done until I got to China. Then when I got to China, I was like, and I'm not the chance of me getting so low. And I also don't really care at this point because I'm here. Right. You made it. Like, tell me I can't compete. We'll we'll see what kind of issue we have. Right. (laughs) Like, I am competing. I made it this far. I'm fucking going for it. I'm outside, anyways. Like, let me just do my thing. I'll I'll wait in the freaking porta potty. (laughs) I mean, I won't even practice. Just let me just do it. Yeah. How so? happy with the experience happy did it like all of it worthwhile yeah i mean like obviously like i missed finals by one spot by the last rider right which sucked but i always tell people like if i made top 12 i didn't get top 10 if i got top 10 i didn't get top five you know there's always something yeah yeah, yeah. Um, at the end of the day i landed i mean i would have liked to do better in my second run but you know i landed one and it is what it is i didn't i got hurt last summer so i didn't get some of the tricks i wanted back but i did the best i could with what i had and I mean, at the end of the day, I control myself. I can't control, you know, the last rider bumping me, the George, the judges scores or anything. So you just do what you can do. And 
you know, to be able to do it at the Olympics is always difficult. I mean, people, you'll see people that are mad consistent and not even land a, a run there. So, yeah, you know, that's where you kind of look at like how you did personally. Yeah. Um, what, where's your headspace at? I've always wanted to know like what, what kind of mental state you go into before you drop. Like, and I'm sure you've had this conversation a lot, but I'm always curious to know how people kind of handle that, like that pressure. And especially in, a, in an Olympics where there's no real crowds, right? Like there's no one there. Like you're just, you're dropping and it's just you. Is that better or worse than having a crowd in your eyes? Uh, well, Vancouver, we had a decent crowd. Um, but this one, obviously not having one, or we had a very, very small one. It was right. almost like a flat. It was almost like a practice. It was so quiet, but I listen to music super loud. I listen to noise canceling when I ride. So I, I don't hear anything. I mean, you can watch the Euro X games. I won. If you watch the finals, like long story short, like Lego was supposed to go, he backed out. So I was going and they didn't, they didn't know that, but I did. And they're yelling to me from the start and I'm, you know, just on the side <laughs> and I can't hear them. That's how loud my music is. So for me, it's, you know, I kind of switched it to just, you know, I say different things depending on my mood to myself. I like go to my spot. I tighten my bindings, even though they're already maxed out. Mad tight. <laughs> take a deep breath through the sign of the cross. And then it's like, I'll say things, you know, like you got this, just have fun. Let's freaking go. You know, whatever it is, depending yeah. on how I'm writing, kind of like a little self-assurance and then just do your thing. Because even with my music, like with the, by the time I get to the first hit, I don't hear anything. Yeah. Yeah, the music's an interesting choice too. Like I, I, I'm always curious one what people are listening to, and two like why that choice, like how that works for people. Because for some people, it's better to just hear everything and just zone themselves out. And yeah. for some people, it's like music is is key. Like I am by no means a competitive athlete, but anytime I'm doing something that makes me nervous, like I put in music and just fucking blow my eardrums out before I go do it, and then I just fucking roll into it. Right? Like that's like. Yeah. I'm similar in that regard, I guess. And probably it's the only way I'm similar, but what, what are you listening to? And has that always been your thing is like headphones in and just lock in? Yeah. I think I really started with the music when, you know, I started doing bigger events and like Dingo or somebody was announcing and Dingo knew so much about me. He's like my big brother still is that I didn't want to hear if he was saying something embarrassing about me, <laughs> if they were like, you know, jacking me up and like, Oh, you know, he just won last week and, you know, I didn't want to hear any of that stuff. So that's kind of where for me it started too, is I could just block out everything. And then I listened to um, rap, like in Vancouver, I listened to the clips for, for my run. Um, and then the, then like for a long time, I've been like a Meek Mill song guy. Sick. And I think I went back to Meek again for this Olympics. I'm trying to remember. I almost have to look it up on the playlist, but Pretty sure I went back to me just because it just kind of gets me hype. I can kind of like just start losing myself a bit in the music. And then, you know, I just kind of stare for like the Olympics, especially like you stare at the pipe where the finish is your top of your site. So you don't see anybody above right. that. So you're literally, and I practice that too and practice, especially when you're waiting to kind of stare and like there's people in the pipe, but you try to just focus on the pipe as a whole and not an individual person mimicking like when you're dropping in and it's an empty pipe mm. yeah that's really interesting it's <laughs> it's a crazy thought and i think that kind of goes into like i mean people talk more and more every year i think about mindfulness and getting into the right right headspace and all the things that you do and i think that's just one of the practices that you must have to do as a half pipe competitor right like you just kind of zone everything out and you kind of pick your focus point i mean the one thing i guess i i don't do that would be great if i did more was like taking that break from like in practice if you have a long practice right like in in china we had three three hour practices so the first day i did mm. three hours cruising next day I did an hour and a half starting to get into tricks third day i did like a 50 minute practice because i think that's what we had for before the event so i like did that but to like especially in the three hour one like chill for like 30 minutes not do anything mm. and not even warm up and like go in and do you know, a run because a lot of these events, you know, you're sitting there for a while from the time practice ends, you have a 10 minute break, doll, die and side slip, whatever. And then go through the start order. Like in mammoth, was it mammoth? One of the events this year, we did double, like one group of judges, judge one, one group of judges, judge one, and you do 
heat one, heat two, heat one, heat two, heat one, like one rider at a time. So I think it was like over 30, 40 minutes waiting Dang. from the time practice and until you drop. And that's like, depending on the weather, that's a huge difference, whether it's slower because it's been hot out, whether the storm's picking up. If you're dropped early, there was no, maybe the storm wasn't there yet. You're dropping in the end and it's like a snowstorm. I mean, so that is one thing I wish I was better at, but I always go hard in practice unless it's like, give me a time frame and I'll go hard until that time. But it's not like I can't, I struggle pacing myself because like once I'm get going, like I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah. It's icing the kicker. It really is. Like, that's the thing I don't like about a lot of these competitions is in skiing and snowboarding is like, you kind of have, like, it's part of it. There's no really, like, you can't send everybody down at once, but you are, you're kind of icing the kicker. Like you're, you're getting everybody like all tensed up and then you're like, all right, go. Like, it's just such a weird, and I don't think there's any way to train yourself physically for that. Right. Like I have no idea how you I mean, it's do a that. mental thing, right? Like you just got to block it out and adjust on the fly. I mean, you've ridden a firm pipe, you've ridden a slow pipe, but it's always just visibility is a big one and speed I would say is a big one because whether it's like, if it's baking, you know, it's going to be slower. If it's snowing, you know, that makes a big difference, but invisibility makes a big difference. So I'd say those two are the biggest rather than like, it's firm, it's soft. It's more like, and not even if it's fast, it's if it's slower and if the visibility sucks more. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. But, what? I mean, it's a contest. It's kind of why you like love and hate it. You right. Right there, but you're like, I hate this, but I love it, but I hate it, but I love it. <laughs> if it was know. that easy, dude, everybody would do it, right? Like that's the that's the thing. It's it's not that easy. It's part of it. It's not all it's not all wins. It's uh and it's not like everything's not consistent. That's part of it. It's the things you can't control. Like that's why yeah, it's exactly. a lot of times I guess that's why it's People so special. Think the half pipes are perfect. It's like no. <laughs> every half pipe is different. Yeah. That's I've heard it's funny. Almost everybody I've had on this show that competed at half pipe has said the same thing where they're like, people think half pipes are perfect. A lot of half pipes fucking suck. And then we have like the skiers who want the pipe mad verdi. Right. Snowboarders want a little more open. And then you're like, who's going to win the battle for if it's going to be verdi <laughs> or it's going to be a little more open? Yeah. It's uh, nobody's all like, everybody's not going to be happy no matter what happens. It's like skiing, like, right. I think in slope, like a lot of skiers like mad tang on their jumps. Yep. Like super whoopy jumps. Snowboarders don't want like that quick kick that skiers mm. like. It's funny that then it's like that battle. Who's going to win that one? It's it's funny because half pipe and skiing is completely uninteresting to me. Like it is not it's not something that I really care about. But in snowboarding, it's probably my favorite event to watch on a consistent basis. And I don't know why that is. But in skiing, it just seems so repetitive. And it does. I mean obviously with the exception of a lot of people, like I don't want anybody to get mad at me. Like there's a lot of fucking people that are excellent at it. Everybody's a super talented athlete, yeah. whatever, whatever. All right. But it just seems better in snow. Like it just looks better. It looks smoother. It looks cleaner. And it just, it has a different vibe to it across the board. And I think a lot of people would say the same thing because it just seems like the crowd, like the crowds get behind it more people watching at home, get behind it more. And I don't know. It just is what it is. I mean, I think too, though, is like on jumps, you have so much more time to do some of the tricks. Yeah. We're in skiing, they're doing so much. I mean, they send in skiing, right? But, you know, it's just not as floaty as it is on a on a snowboard and a lot of tricks. Mm. And it, as, as floaty as it is in slope style, then you add poles, tips crossing, poles flying, right, right, right. pants sagging. I mean, you got a lot of stuff yeah. going on there. <laughs> There's a lot going on for sure. Um. I got a few things here. So what, what do you do to keep yourself in good shape all the time? Like it's a, it's a thing that I think has been more normalized, but that I've noticed you've yeah, been doing sure. as I was watching the fucking YouTube series, I'm yeah. like realizing you've been doing this for a while and not everybody has been actually training themselves. Like I did training. It before training. It was cool. That's yeah. You, you yeah. did it before <laughs> it was cool doc. So what, <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? What has changed since then, I guess? And what have you adapted now? Like, cause you're not, I mean, you're not the youngest not guy. Young, out. Yes. I don't know. I don't know if you know this or not, but you're not the youngest guy out there um, <laughs> anymore. Um, so what, what do you do? Like what's changed? I mean, honestly, I started working with my trainer. Who's like one of the gnarliest in the world. This guy, John Schaefer that I met through Apollo Ono. Started working with him in like 2010, I think, 2011, whatever, long time ago. And he like changed everything. Like my whole 
build because I was very top heavy because I was doing a lot of upper body. Your center of gravity is too high. So he changed me. Like I probably dropped 20 pounds and I was like, I'm going to look like a freaking bowling pin. Everybody wants to look like a V. You know, that's like the norm for mirror athletes is the V. And I'm going to look like this because yeah. I'm going to be so bottom heavy. But everybody that saw me after, like, I lost a lot of my face and I looked way more, I was way more lean. So people thought I was working out heavy upper body too. And I was like, no, I, I probably didn't do any upper body workouts for the first four years yeah. that I would have started working with them. Um, and then I had some maintenance stuff and now I'm back on my original program. So I don't do any upper body stuff, but I do all old school stuff, running stairs, jumping stairs, short and intense intervals on the treadmill sprints with like 15% incline stuff like that. But, um, like we did a thing with men's health, my trainer and I did a thing for men's health. Uh, I got top 50 fittest athletes in the world from men's health. Um, so we've done a lot. I mean, I've worked out with some gnarly athletes too. Uh, but I stay on it. I stay on like most of the time my eating workouts. I don't do any like real lifts during the winter, mostly just recovery stuff. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I stay on it. I mean, I don't drink. I stopped drinking though 11 years ago. So I haven't stopped, haven't picked it back up. I just no started as like a three month thing and then it went to four and five and six. And now I just, it's old news for me. No shit. And there's, you're like, it's done. Like it's not even a thought in your head anymore. Like it's not even no, like I, six months. I made it through summer X games and that was six months. And then at that point I just never missed it, but I was never like a, I'm going to have a beer after riding. Like if I was right. drinking, I knew it wasn't good good for me so i was like that's gonna be my night i'm going to drink right 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 I was taking two steps at the gym one step back so once i started with my new trainer i did five and a half weeks out in philly with him of hell and then i told stevie bell when i got back i'm gonna go for two months he's like you're at two months go for three and that's how the competitiveness with myself started like how long right. can i go six months didn't miss it and yeah. then i was like oh kind of miss wilding out sometimes and then i was like well that's me doing dumb stuff so why do I miss that? And okay, we're done with that. And now I'm just such a great DD that, you know, <laughs> why should I start? I guess that's a very good, that's a good point. I, it's, it's funny. This is a movement right now. Again, a thing you're doing before it's cool. Like this is a thing that you're starting to see a lot of people jump on this, uh, on this wagon, on the sobriety wagon. And I think it's amazing. Like it's really, it's a fucking cool thing that people are able to just be like, I, I'm good. You know, like that's, I mean, and it's, it's, I don't, I'm not like, obviously I'm not anti-drinking. Right. <laughs> I didn't, I just quit on my own and, and it's, I still go out all the time. Like I'll, I mean, not all the time, but I'll go out <laughs> like before COVID, let's say like, you know, you're going to see me at Cecilia's more in Summit County. I'm always going to Cecilia's. I love that place. In right. So, I mean, I still go out and stuff, but uh, yeah, I can just drive home when I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> That's you don't have to walk in the blizzard in Breckenridge if you get home and get lost, you know, and stuff like that. It doesn't make you anxious being about around a bunch of drunks. Like that's okay. So that's my only problem with it. Right. Is like, I only like it when I go out. Like that's my biggest thing. If I'm going out, I'm too anxious of a person. And that's where my issues arise. I have a friend and somebody who hosts a show on this network who will like, has never had a drink, never smoked, never done anything in his whole life. Right. And he's like, down to go wherever he's like down to go and i'm like how the fuck do you do like how do you do this dog like this is the that's the craziest thing to me well i'm bougie when i go out okay. so but i was bougie <laughs> when i was drinking so i mean even at like cecilia's like i'm gonna be st sitting at my table like i'm the wrong height where people bump into me and their drinks are like right at my shoulder yeah and then it's like i get I, I was i'm not a good person to be around if you're bumping into me spilling drinks on me so I have my space. I can just chill. I people watch, talk to people. It's more like when people get annoying, which it always tends to happen, or right. somebody's telling you a story and then the conversation's dead. And it's like that, that silent period for a second where like, okay, the conversation's done, but they're still there. And they're still like, or like the really close talkers to uh, you. Yeah. Like you get those ones. And that's like frustrating. Like I used to like do well at a contest, go out. Yeah. And then you like, you'll meet people that were at the event and like, literally it was like a record. Like they tell you the story and you're like, dope. Yeah. Cool. Uh-huh. And then it's like that dead silence. And then it would almost be like the story would happen again. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> the conversation's done. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. I got, I got the point. But no, nah, I mean, there's like those times 
where like you just get hungry and you're tired but you're like you don't want to be the person like hey guys let's get out of here like oh louis the sober one yeah 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 yeah. i'll tough it out like hey we can leave whenever you want i'm good just let me know when yeah but i always hydrate more i'm always drinking water and then i'm like i love this the rest of the night so i'm not even sleeping well because i just drank so much soda water when i was at (laughs) at the bar but it was crazy because when i first stopped and i would like just drink water people would like be weirded out as soon as there was like soda water in a cup nobody said anything so i really learned like people don't care about you drinking it's how they feel about Mm -hmm. you not drinking around them so yeah i'm gonna see you do all the dumb stuff and i can tell you about it tomorrow but i'm not i don't really care do you but it was like as soon as you had a soda water or a red bull or something in a glass nobody ever got weird around you yeah as soon as if it was a bottle of water why are you drinking come on do a shot do this yeah but i remember one time we were at an event and a guy who would buy me a beer like thanks dude hand it to luke buy me a shot thanks dude hand it to- luke's like i love hanging out with you because he got all these free <laughs> drinks because people give them to me i just give them to him yeah that's it's insane i think you're right people want they're looking for validation that what they're doing is fine yeah. right like that's what it is i mean it which is fine i get it to me i'm like i just don't want to be annoyed by everybody around me like i don't have that kind of patience but i also yeah. don't want to just be home all the time so it's like i try to find this balance point where i'm just like all right i'm fine with this like the choices you have to make yeah exactly the sacrifices like it's fucking yeah like i'm whining about it um yeah it's it's how is that a problem for you still like do people still roll up to you and they're just chatting your ear off about shit like when you go out like that's a that's got to be a thing Um, that you kind of learn to handle with grace i would imagine right like i haven't really gone out really i mean you gotta think like covid uh, i guess that's true and then like when I'm in Salt Lake, I don't, I don't really go out anymore. I just chill. Yeah. Um, every once in a while, like I went out in, in Arizona for a friend's birthday party. And that was, I mean, you were like in a table with just your friends, but the funny one I get like, Oh, I got one. This was the other day. This is on the mountain. This was, I mean, I was like, I'm an older guy, but so I like so much respect for you, Louie. Like I've been a fan <laughs> for a long time. I'm like, why well, I'm an older guy then too. Gosh, really? Or I get, you know, those are the ones now where it's like, if I talk to people, normally they're an older crowd because some of these kids weren't even alive when I went to Vancouver. Yeah, I guess. That's, that is trippy to think about. It, it it's but also like it's crazy to think about like we're like joking like you're not young but like you are you're what 34 like yeah yeah, that's not fucking that website got that right by the way that's the one thing they got right um it's uh that's not old so but in our i mean in in half pipe it is like i mean me and sean were the oldest ones but it's like, I don't know if it's necessary. I mean, your body's beat up. Like I've taken as best care of my body as I could, but like Sean did it right too. Cause he was just kind of pick and choose his events and yeah. take time off. I kind of went like ham, you know, all, the whole time. Yeah. Except from, from like 2016 on kind of thing. It was a little more mellow, but I think people just get burned out too. Like how often do you want to chuck yourself in an icy half pipe when it's snowing and it's flat light Yeah. versus like, do you want to go ride pow and just go heli board? Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy that side of it, which is, I mean, you can get bodied there, but it's definitely not as consistent bodied as you are in a half pipe. Right. Is that, is that something that you're looking to like kind of transition into more of now? Is- I mean, no, not really. I'll go ride pow. I'd rather just, go to Japan and yeah. cruise. Yeah. I have a friend that owns that resort of Mori Springs in Japan and that place. I just love, you just go chill in the onsen at night and go ride pow and just, you're not doing anything crazy. It's just so good for the soul Yeah, and just cruise. But I don't really have a ton of interest right now to like go chuck off of anything. Yeah. I mean, but maybe that changes, but right now I'm still down to compete. I still want to compete. Yeah, like I said, the next Olympics is four years out. It's in Milan, and we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But that right now, that's, that's my plan. Yeah. thirty-seven, baby. That would be fucking insane. And in Milan, yeah, that'd be that's gonna be a sick one. 
Dude, that would be, yeah, that would be fucking insane. Hopefully world back to somewhat normal, like, all the way. Like, we kind of roll into yeah. exit. Yeah, I know. It's like every time I say that, I'm like, I, like, cringe. I, like, feel my body tense up a little bit. Or I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I just, I just, like I said, that's the same thing. One year at a time. Right now I'm still going to compete. <clears throat> See what kind of viruses we have popping around then probably too. Yeah, I'm sure that's not going to be that much better by that point. But that's the pessimist in me. Um, yeah, I I think that's rad, man. I, it, what, what motivates you now to still keep going? Like what, like, do you actually just really like competing that much? Is that, is that really what it is? Like, is that all it is? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's, it's been challenging mentally from obviously like tricks that you don't have anymore, tricks that you need to learn that maybe take a little bit longer. Um, not doing as well at the events the last couple of years has been challenging, but I love, I just love the vibe of a contest like as far as for myself the top of the pipe is way different now than it than it used to be but like just being at an event is so fun for me i love i love contests but i compete in everything i do like it's almost to a fault like right you play a card game like i'm gonna bring it and <laughs> like if you like if you play settlers of Catan and you rob me like i'm gonna go after the entire game like don't mess with me i'm too competitive and everything <laughs> i think that's what helps me and then you still you know it's still that rush of learning a new trick doing a trick you know that might be scares you haven't like for me there's like tricks i haven't done in five years six years whatever right you know you've done so many over time and it's like oh yes i stopped doing that one. Oh, i'm gonna bring it back so to do that one again like you still get that rush that you can't get anywhere else landing a trick mm. whether it's new or one that scares you or you haven't done in a long time and landing it is still like the most priceless feeling yeah yeah, what what else are you competitive at? Like, what's the next thing that you're like, I I fucking this thing I need to win at. Like, this is the thing other than snowboarding that I need to win at. Because I like I am very similar in this regard. Where like it, it we could be playing fucking like cribbage, and I will want to fucking end your day. Like that's like yeah. that is just like it, it's definitely a personality type thing. It's so I'm always curious to hear where it comes from from other people. It's funny like very few people have come on the show and said that they have that type. Like most people are like, Oh, I just like, like, I don't know. Like I'm not really like that or whatever. Like the only other one that I remember was Simon Dumont was like, yeah, I want to fucking whenever. Like if I don't win, I lost. Like it was like point blank. So I'll never let somebody win. I, like I remember I had somebody talking to me about it. Like, what about like kids? And I'm like, yeah, I played soccer with one of my little cousins like years ago at a graduation party. I'll let them score, but they're not going to win. Yeah. Like, there's, there's losers. There's no participation trophies in my, in my life. And they'll never be in my kid's life. Like I don't do that stuff yeah. because I think it's such an important thing is like, you know, a sponsor drops you or you lose a contest or something like, yeah, I'd be mad for my dad, like at events, especially used to be like 15 minutes and then get over it, like yeah. move on. It's on to the next. And so mm. that's kind of like, in a sense, though, people used to give me a little bit of crap, like on the podium, like might, might, might not be smiling as much on the podium. But at the same time, that's 30 minutes after the event. I'm stoked, you know, signed autographs, did the interview stuff, done that whole shebang. And then you're on the podium. So by the time I'm on the podium, like, yeah, I'm happy. But I'm already thinking, like, at this point, we're competing every weekend. I'm already thinking about the next event. Right. Cool. I, like, I'm stoked. I'm relieved. But, like, I'm already thinking, like, we got another one next week. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, on both sides of it, whether I fall and I'm pissed or if I win, it's like, all right, cool. Like my short term memory, I'm on to the next now. All right. Yeah. I imagine that's a, a very important thing that to be able to have and to be able to control. Yeah. But I mean, it's my competitiveness is definitely intense for a lot of people. <laughs> a lot of fights. I my dad, my dad and I can't play Monopoly together. It just, <laughs> just doesn't go well. He's more than more competitive than me. But I always say, like I use this as an example, if I play tennis with Pete Sampras, like I'm going to try to win. I suck at it. For tennis. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm going to try to win. Like yeah. what's the point of playing if they're – and like what's the point of playing if you're not keeping score? I hate when I watch friends like just like – Oh, yeah, dude. Forth, get the like, fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm good. Come on. Like <laughs> when are you guys going to start here? Like, Do you feel like a dick when you do it? Do you feel like a dickhead when you do that? Like because I feel like a dickhead when I do that. Every time I'm like, oh, yeah, fucking just the people that know, I 
it's hard because the people that know me, like, it, it it almost kills me more not to say anything. Yeah. <laughs> I was at my my girlfriend's family place and they had they were playing like badminton. Yeah, and they're like you know they're warming up, and like I don't I won't play because like I get too intense. So I'm just like <laughs> okay. And it was I was like trying so hard not to say anything. Like like how are you guys not keeping score anymore? Like the warm up's over. Like let's go. Like yeah. I want to keep track of who's winning and losing in my head, and I'm not even playing. Yeah. <laughs> eating me alive that they weren't keeping score i'm just like oh this is painful yeah it's uh it's uh it's definitely a personality type but i i i relate i relate unfortunately for better or for worse it is a uh it is a thing growing up it was the same thing like i'm like i can't do anything with my father and i'm like anytime there's any kind of competition it's like it ends in an argument it ends in a fight like there's there's no chance that it goes like we, we're like shake hands and walk away from whatever it is you know but i mean the thing is though luckily my dad's got, like he doesn't hold grudges so like even if we like butt heads we're, like he helps me with a lot of my work stuff like butt heads yeah and then like 10 minutes later he'll call me like hey did you are you watching the game right now you know it's just like right yeah yeah it's but yeah we just don't, he's not a big card game, board game guy, but I love those. I yeah. love all those. I love anything, any game. <laughs> um, Name the game down. Um, la- last thing I want to talk to you about is the business aspect of snowboarding because it seems like you're really good at it. Like, it seems like you've, I mean, you've been able to make your career one last. I mean, that's a fucking huge win just by itself. And you have sponsors that support you. And I'm always curious for people looking at you and they're like, I want a career like that, or I aspire to be a pro snowboard. Like, what does it look like for you on the business end of things? And how do you keep all that shit straight? Um, you know, it's tough because the market's always like this. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a few things, right. One is people really underestimate the looking at you as a brand side, right? Like you can win every event. That's fine. But I think like media is such a big thing, like being able to talk to a camera because like, even if I, like, I know I was doing really well in events for so long, but they also knew that I could always do an interview. So even if I didn't do well, like I always normally got interviewed because I can hit pretty much every talking point they want. Mm. Like how was the pipe? Who was riding? Well, you know, where, like, you know, at, you know, answer, like, say the question in your answer. Perfect. Okay. That's easy. And I think I remember talking to a young snowboarder before and it's like, yeah, but this person's winning everything. And I was like, yeah, but like how many people go to the events and want to see that person ride? Mm. And I think that's, that's important because if you don't, like if people don't really want to see you, meet you, be you, take pictures with you, then you're a great snowboarder, but like you're a pawn for a company at the end of the day. Mm. and so i think too is also finding companies that you align with and and look at it more as a partnership than a sponsorship so we'll use toyota for example because they're one of my longest standing sponsors i've had i've been with them for over 10 years and first off it's toyota and they make great vehicles (laughs) i love toyota but i mean if you go deeper right so for me i can go as deep as you want to go i mean they're one of the founding sponsors of do tour so obviously it's a big corporate brand that comes into snowboarding and you see it all the time, especially like X games, they set up in sponsor village, they hand out whatever they hand out and that's it. You never see them again. You never hear anything from them again. They're not at any other event. Do tour has been around. They've had their ups and downs from three stops to one contest to now, you know, doing modified and other things, but Toyota's always stayed true to that and probably put quite a good amount of money to keep it going Mm. through the ups and downs of, of snowboarding and skiing. Then they come in, they're the biggest sponsor of the IOC, biggest sponsor of US OPC, biggest sponsor of US ski and snowboarding. And when they came in, you know, like when I was on the US team forever, we'd have Chevy skiing, have Audi. Chevy drops out and we had Sprint skiing, had Audi. Sprint mm. drops out, skiing, had Audi. We had nothing. You know what I mean? Toyota came in and like blanketed. Okay, we'll take a, an athlete from here, an athlete from here, an athlete from here. And it wasn't like it really took like one team. It wasn't just ski racing. Yay, we're going to sponsor only ski racers. That's all we care about. They kind of came in and covered everything. 
um, what they do for the Paralympic Committee. I'm a huge Paralympic supporter. If you're a Paralympian for the U.S., you buy a Toyota, modify it for free. They gave money to all the Paralympic athletes that made the, the team, which was like massive for a lot of these athletes. Um, and they did that by fundraising within Toyota with their dealers, you know, the Paralympic fund that they did, they raised millions of dollars to support. I mean, their whole thing is closing the gap from Olympics and Paralympics and closing that gap. So I'm a huge supporter. They went from an automobile company to a mobility company, mm. getting people from point A to point B. So, I mean, those are the reasons why I partner with Toyota and Toyota partners with me now for, from my snowboarding to media things that I can do for them. So as long as you understand where they're going, they understand where you're going. You guys work together. That's why it's a partnership achieve an ultimate goal. Everybody leaves happy, but create that relationship. I had too many companies that I had left companies. If we weren't seeing eye to eye, I'm like, I want to do this. Oh, you just, we only see you as a snowboarder. Well, if that's not going to work, then I'm out. So right. I think you have to stay true to yourself, be yourself in your sport too. Don't like follow the crowd. I always wanted to stand out. So it's like be outside the box, be creative, but media partnerships and being yourself. I think those are the three, right? Yeah. Being able to talk, like not media, like have a strong social media. That's important, but be yourself, which you can also portray on social media, media training. That's what I should say. Media training is important, mm. but be yourself in media. Like don't be so textbook, like be yourself, but know how to answer questions. If they ask you one, you don't want to answer, learn how to curve it, yeah. you know? And then just partnerships, partnership, partnerships, look at it more. Like I look at all my brands that I've been with for so long. Like that's not just a sticker on my board and a paycheck. Like I support everything they stand for. They support everything I want to do from what I want to do in snowboarding, outside of snowboarding, charity stuff. I do, we're all on the same page and you can achieve so much more on both sides if you do that, but don't chase the dollar stay true to yourself and work with brands that you actually believe in. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of really good things there. I think one, a hundred percent, right. Aligning with brands that work for you is, is one of the most important things that you can do and, and look at it like partnerships. Like we're really lucky. We have a bunch of brand partners here and it's, we pick them and they pick us based on how they feel about what we do. Right. And they our yeah. values align. Right. And it can be a long-term partnership and it's always like a give and take. Right. I never want to just sign and be like, Hey, this is our company. This company gave us money for this ad read today. Like that's bullshit to me. Right. Like that's people see through yeah. that. Like everybody needs a paycheck. Right. Like I'm not saying we don't need to get paid. Like I need to eat. Like that's, that's yeah. important to me, but it's also important that this can last and it doesn't, like a career in whatever doesn't last in partnerships if it's inauthentic. Like it's just point blank won't last. It's just not a, like it can't. And especially how things are moving now. Like they want everything organic. They want everything authentic. It's not as much. Like I remember even when I was on Red Bull, like they were kind of push it. Now I think it's even more like, don't just stand there with the can, like up here by your face. Like that's not like yeah. be chilling. You have it on the ground next to you. Cause that's how you would normally be with the can. But I think too, it's like when you're, when you have ads, like if I would have a, like a, let's say a beer ad, like I'd be to them, Hey, I don't drink, but I'll say like, I have alcohol at my house. I have companies that send me alcohol. My friends are stoked when people come over, like it's yeah. all for you guys. So if I'm going to post about it or do a deal with you guys, understand that I'm not drinking, but I'll show like how it is at my house. You want drinks, you want wine, you want some moonshine, you want vodka, whatever. <laughs> right. I have it all my friends drink and I'll, you know, be hanging out with them with, you know, nothing, but you got to be true to yourself. And like you said, it, it shows if it's authentic or if it's not. Mm. Yeah. And I think the other thing that you kind of touched on too, is like the people wanting to come see you is extremely important, right? Like I'm a big, like I watch a lot of fights, like UFC fights, boxing, whatever. And the number one thing is like marketability, right? It's like who sells, oh, yeah. who sells pay-per-views, right? It's the people and the personalities that people give a fuck about. You can be the best and nobody will care who you are at all. If your personality isn't what they want to attach themselves to. But see, that's what you know, kind of bothers me about that is now is like learning over time that like Colby Covington. Oh, that guy's like a piece a, of uh, shit though. Like that's a different, yeah, <laughs> but that's, that's inauthentic. That's not who he is. He's like a really nice person. It says, yeah. And then it's like, they're like, you're nobody cares. Yeah. So then he turned into the villain. So it's like, 
that turned me off a bit on him because of that, because I'm like, it's hard. Cause I know I've read so much that you're a really nice person and all this. Right. Then it makes me think that your persona is fake. And so it's like, Oh, I'd, I'd rather just be true. But I think in our industry so much that they put so much pressure on like, what's cool. Right. And it's like, that's corny to me because if you're chasing that, you're not being yourself. If you be yourself, then you're showing other people, especially like people that grow up watching snowboarding and action sports and think it's super cool. Like it's cool. However you are. Yeah. You know what I'm saying like, if you're a dork, be a dork. I'm not a core rider. I don't get respect necessarily from core riders, except for some, I did dancing with the stars. You know what I'm saying? Like I'll never be that like riders rider, but I'm who I am. I do my runs that I want to do. Cause I was the first to do front double 10 in a half pipe competition, but then I did two or three in a row, four in a row. Oh, it's gymnastics. Well, I don't do it for you. I do it because it's fun. Like right. This is how I want to ride. Right. So if you stay true to that, the people will know what's real and what's not you'll the people that do support you will really support you for who you are mm. kind of like finding like the cool crowd and chasing that it's not real if you're a dork be a dork you're cool be cool you're a redneck be a redneck you're this be you're a hippie be a hippie you know yeah. just be you because yeah, our, we're a group of rebels and misfits and that's how snowboarding is supposed to be yeah it's tough like because at, at, on one side you're like okay i want that paycheck right like, and that's like back to the fucking Kobe Covington thing. It's like, yeah, that dude just wanted a paycheck. And I think it's completely inauthentic. And I think that that's shitty, but like, it's a paycheck. But do you watch him? Uh, sometimes. Like, it depends on who he's fighting. Sometimes I'm just like, I don't fucking care if he wins. But if he goes and fights like a fucking. I didn't say he care if he won, but I'm saying, do you, it's like Jake Paul, right? You either hate him or you love him, but you're if you hate him, you're watching to try to see him get knocked out. I will say what I end up doing. This is the shittiest thing ever, but like what I end up doing if I don't like whoever's headlining is I'm like I'm fucking streaming this shit. I'll watch it. I'm gonna watch this shit, but I'm gonna find a stream and I'm not paying. Like I'm gonna watch it on TikTok. Fuck, I'm not gonna fucking do it. Yeah, it's not. But like, which is not my normal. Like I fucking pay for. I'm one of the few I think that actually ends up paying for fucking fights. But it's uh, dude. It's just hard because people want to be that guy, right? Like they want to be the one that like people want to give attention to. So finding that like authenticity, but also having the media training and being able to be up, be up there and be like, look, this is my shit. This is what I do. Like it or not, fuck off, right? Like that's basically all anybody has to do. And somebody out there, there's a crowd for that, right? It's when people are fake and do just the sales pitchy bit that I'm like, I'm like turned off by it. Yeah. You know? I mean, like if you like, it goes back to like what we were talking about working out and stuff, like working out wasn't cool. Not drinking wasn't cool. Cause our industry was always party hard, snowboard hard, party hard, snowboard hard. Yeah. Um, like doing like media really wasn't like a popular thing to go practice. But for me, you know, I always wanted snowboarding to be my driving force and it opens up all these opportunities, whether it's dance with the stars, body issue, the challenge, all these shows and, different things when I'm done I have this whole tree but it was always I was a snowboarder but I want to do it my way mm. I wanted I have a small window of you know you can get snowing and taken away in a blink of an eye so I wanted to be the best shape I could be in be as focused as I could be and then no matter what happened I had no regrets I couldn't look back and be bummed on anything it didn't happen I worked hard always want to be the hardest worker on and off the snow but I did it without it being cool so it's like those things just like I said be you yeah, But I think like take the time and like the media training is just so important. If you want to, if you care about that, I mean, because that's where you're going to get, you know, the bigger sponsors, you're going to be able to have longevity with brands because if you just have, you know, this snowboard company or whatever, and when, you know, you might be winding down from filming and you want to do something else or you're pivoting, that's where things change a little bit. They're maybe not so as supportive. But I think for longevity, like being a good ambassador for the brand goes a long way. And that kind of goes to being able to speak, you know, decent yeah. in front of a camera, in front of a group of people. Or don't, right? Like there's something to be said for both oh, sides yeah, of it, right? Like, people. I mean, look at like Candy Dovex, right? Like, I don't think anybody's ever heard that motherfucker talk ever. Like, but he's the most famous guy in, in the sport yeah. because like he he's does an insane his thing. Like he, ha like he, I mean, my most of the stuff I see, like his. POV stuff. Yeah, but right. I mean, 
he does it. That's the thing, though. He does it his way. Exactly. Whatever he wants to do. Right. And he he owns that. He doesn't try to like, oh, this is a new fad. I'm going to do that. He's like, right. I want to do this. I'm going to do it. And I'll right. be the best at it because it's Candide. But you know what I mean? Like, right. just be you. I think it goes back to being authentic. But if there's three other people that are trying to do what Candide's doing, it's not going to be as big as Candide. Right. It's not. Yeah. That's the dude. That's the dude that does. It. Yeah. It's yeah. It's being authentic. I think we beat it. Um, <laughs> for sure. Like I hope people get it and I, but it, it's a real thing that people need to know because like you look at the internet, right? You see all your favorite athletes, you see all these, these influencer types and you see all these fucking people and it's like, what's real, what's fake. The line is becoming so blurred. And that's like an important thing for people to know is like being yourself is what's fucking cool. Like that's like the, like, that's actually yeah. it, right? As like cliche as that is, like just fucking do your own shit. I think that's the most important. I know, like you said, we've been beating a dead horse here <laughs> with it, but I think being, being yourself, but then also like this whole, he's a contest writer, he's a pipe duck, he's a rail dog, he, whatever, like that stuff's stupid. So it's like be yourself and everybody that is enjoying the sport you love and everything's tied in together. If you're a contest writer, you could be getting somebody royalties or helping a company that hates contests, but they're, you know, the most core writer, a core writer could be helping a pro, like a pipe writer get a paycheck. They buy his pro model. Everything works together, but everybody snowboard and skis for their own reasons. And as long as they're out on the mountain enjoying themselves, it's helping our industry. And so just be yourself, be different. I think being different is better. I agree. Um, Louis, where can people connect with you? Where can people find you on the internet? Um, and anything else you've got going on? Um, tell people where they can get at you at Louis Vito, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, yeah, that's about it. I suck at both. So what I'm trying to get better (laughs) at it. I'm so bad at it. It's so annoying. I like, I, yeah, I can't, it's, it's really hard. It's a, it's a full-time job. I'll read stuff on there. I'll go scroll it, but I suck at it. So yeah, that's cool. But I'm trying to get better. So I'm trying to be authentic on there. (laughs) Show you the good, the bad, the ugly. (laughs) 